symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. excited for wrestlemania i'm a little excited i can't say that i'm super excited because when you look at the card this year it seems like a cluster yeah but i'm trying to like be fair because they have had a lot of injuries and weird problems this year yeah a lot of the big guys are out because they're injured correct so you got to judge on a sliding scale yeah i'm mostly excited just because i know we're gonna drink a lot yeah i mean that's always usually the highlight yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't really matter if the main events deliver, because I'm going to be fucking passed out before they're on. <laughs> Wait, you're going to miss out on the main event? <laughs> yes, I am. I think we could sleep through the whole event and then watch the main just to see what ridiculousness happens at the end. What match do you think they're actually going to put on last? Like, if you look on Wikipedia, they list the matches. Yeah. And they have number five as Triple H versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> so if they pull one of those old school, like... Number five? You mean like midway through the show? Yeah, midway through the show. Remember how they used to do that? Like in That's the when they're going to give you an unsatisfying result. Yeah, like in the 90s, they used to put like the main event in the middle of the show because some of the guys wanted to go home early. Will they, will they both be so full of rage that it ends in a double DQ? <laughs> Everyone's least favorite ending? <laughs> Or a double count out. A double count out at <laughs> WrestleMania 32? <laughs> but yeah, that's just the way it's listed on Wikipedia. But I'm mostly looking forward to, obviously, Undertaker, because that's going to be big. Of course, an oddball matchup, Undertaker versus Shane McMahon. My feelings on that match is that they've built it up poorly, but it's going to deliver big. Shane almost killed himself on Raw. I mean, against that was crazy, jumping into the table like that. Yeah, and it's not even just that it was a big move for someone like him. It was a big move for any wrestler, really. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I do have to complain about, and I'm not, I don't like complaining because it's like you kind of just roll with the punches as a wrestling fan. Mm. And uh, this year they're just trying to stuff every wrestler onto the card, which I don't uh, like when they do that. You see, know? I do. I do for this event, because if you work there, it's like such a slap in the face if you don't get to be on the show. Yeah, you should be able to uh, be at WrestleMania on TV, uh, but when you have a battle royal, and then you have a tag team match, and then you have like a, a six-man, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. So yeah, it's a, there's it's, it's a, just like armies in those first few matches. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say the Divas match is going to be good, too. Charlotte versus Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. That's going to be pretty good. Yes. I predict that Charlotte's going to retain. Mm. I think Sasha Banks is going to take it home. I just don't know that. Why would you give it to her in a three-way match, you know? I'd give it to her in a three-way <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christ. <laughs> I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I'm like... He's so going to fucking take this <laughs> softball. And I really didn't mean to, like, pitch it to you. <laughs> oh, who's going to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? I've seen a bunch of people predict Kane. Really? And because I've never paid attention to who's in it, I'm just going to guess Kane as well. Wow. Yeah, because it's like, in part, it could be used to push a new guy. But it also could be used as sort of like a career appreciation award. I wonder if they're going to bring somebody back that we're not expecting. Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> Repo Man. A lot of people are probably like, why are they talking about wrestling? Wow, we're fucked on this podcast. Like, we already lost half the audience and we're not even five minutes in. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful for the people that listen and be like, hey, you know, I'm not even into uh, this, but I listened anyway because uh, I enjoy your show. You finally broke me, Jay and Matt. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. If we're, if we're going to lose <laughs> listeners, it's now. <laughs> oh, this was your idea, by the way. It actually was my idea to talk about our wrestling memories here tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast, episode 24. We both have so many memories of all things wrestling from when we were kids till now. We could have done like five parts to this episode. Yeah, we could have spoke volumes. I mean, there's just so much. We had such a hard time trying to figure out uh, what we had to cut out of the show. Right. So we decided we're going to cut out all the good stuff and leave in all the really, really bad stories. It sounds like WWE right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a hater, though, because I'm a lifelong fan of WWF and WWE, just like you. And tonight we'll go through some of our memories, far-reaching. Some of mine go way back to when mm -hmm. I was a kid. To the golden years. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to start, right? Because you no. always start. You son of a bee. I'll start if you want me to, but, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> I, I came to figure out the idea here with this is that if you go first, then I go last. So is that the way of, like, is it almost like when they introduce the challenger first and the champion last? Is that how, is that what we're doing? Oh, my God. That sounded like fucking math, dude. <laughs> what the fuck are you telling me? <laughs> All right, so if I go first, you're going to go last, is all I'm saying. Uh, unless I go first, then you're going to go last. <laughs> I know. So I guess the question is, do you want to go first or last? <laughs> I'll go. I was just trying to make a wrestling comparison. I think you succeeded. <laughs> okay, let's take you down to ringside for my first wrestling memory. Booyah! Number. One. Big match at my house. I'll bring my guys. You have yours. I've got junkyard dog. It's World Wrestling Federation Superstar. Eight sold separately from LJN. Yeah. Matt, my first wrestling memory is regarding the Miss Elizabeth action figure. The original one, I presume. Yeah, that's the LJN action figure that came out in approximately 1986, 1987. Yep. I know it well. Yeah, I think we all did. Well, I mean, if, if people didn't, these were like big rubber figures. And hard rubber. It wasn't even like bendable rubber. You no, this wasn't things. like a Nerf toy. Like, you could fucking hurt a kid with this thing. Yeah, and kids were known to get hurt by, you know, a, a hurling King Kong Bundy action figure into the head. Well, they designed them so that they threw like ninja stars. <laughs> even someone like me could like hit somebody from 50 feet away. <laughs> I'll be sure to stay away from you next time you're near LJN. <laughs> I'll show you on Sunday. <laughs> so I'm taking you back to Christmas Eve, the year that this figure came out. Uh, my sister asked my mom if she could give me the gift that she was going to give me the next day. Because my sister and I gave each other one gift every year. Right. So my mom knew what it was, obviously. And uh, she told my sister that she couldn't give it to me, right? So, oh man, mom, what the fuck? It's Christmas. <laughs> so she she broke kayfabe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so my sister uh, gave me the gift, and I think they kind of knew what the reaction was going to be since they knew what it was. I didn't get more excited for anything other than LJN figures back. Right, then. right. And like I went ballistic every time I got one. Not even joking. My family has pictures of me like running around screaming like a whack job and working myself up till my face was all red and then praying thank you a thousand times. All that for Greg the Hammer. Yeah, exactly. Like I would get like two or three action figure LJN action figures and then like lose my mind. And uh, you know, eventually they all wound up in two big laundry baskets. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, anyway, I opened the gift and it was. Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, my sister really hit the nail on the head. She knew I wanted this because I named my first pet after Elizabeth. There's what, like, what was it? <laughs> it was what kind a, of animal? It was a canary. <laughs> a canary? Yeah. Oh, man, that's the last thing I would have expected you to say. <laughs> Who died in a bathtub. Oh, man. I'm not going to touch that one. It was a bird bath, though. It, was, it yeah. wasn't my bathtub. <laughs> so 
This was like the moment for me, and I lost my mind. I was going nuts. I immediately jetted downstairs to get my Macho Man, Randy Savage, LJN figure. Oh, uh-huh. a match made had, in heaven. Yeah, they had to be together, you yep. know? So I, I, but I felt like I felt like a million bucks. It's so funny though because like if your sister knew what was about to go on in your bedroom, she might have stuck with the junkyard dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you never know. I used to. I was known to dance around singing, grab them cakes all the time. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of my point. Yeah, <laughs> but the best part was you know Elizabeth's skirt came off. Which was like foreshadowing the finale of SummerSlam 88. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it did, but it, they didn't know that at the time. Why did her skirt come off? <laughs> I know. It didn't make any sense. Especially that you're selling this to young boys at the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was the <laughs> only female action figure in the whole wrestling line, and its action feature was that it stripped. Yeah. <laughs> And she looked more like somebody you'd see at like a strip club than Elizabeth. Yeah, just yeah. sort of wearing... um like a leotard, I guess that's what those things are. Yeah, sort of. But I mean, the LJN figures for me were like the shit. Not all my friends knew how to have an actual match without like losing their minds. Right. Someone would get hurt with those. You're bound to get into some sort of trouble. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done that. And it was like the whole point was to see how far you get hurting your friends without getting in trouble. Yeah, you'd be impaling somebody with yeah. this seven pounds of rubber <laughs> right but anyway so like my dad and i used to make it like a real event and we play the music and do all that kind of stuff so now that macho was with miss elizabeth everything was good and we were able to have the actual uh entrance and everything so for that it made it more realistic for me man from all these stories you tell it seems like your dad was a gracious host yeah i mean he, like he's he like there. you're like hey dad let's uh <laughs> let's set up an entire pay-per-view in the basement right now on christmas yeah all right son I think maybe they felt bad for me that no one wanted to play. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. Elizabeth, now you're the manager of the Macho Man or, or Valley. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a tremendous association there. And Randy has done so very well, you've got to be very proud of him. Oh, definitely. I'm very proud of him. He has skyrocketed mm-hmm. to start up here in the World Wrestling Federation, and I can tell you're happy just by the big smile on your mm-hmm. face. So since you told your Elizabeth story, I guess I'll tell my Elizabeth story. Ooh, can't wait. Yeah, so I guess it's safe to say that she was like the first crush for many young wrestling fans, not just us two. Right. Kind of like a real-life Disney princess. That's a good comparison. Yeah, but like she's better because instead of palling around with clocks and dogs, she was with (laughs) the fucking Macho Man. (laughs) Ooh, yeah! So I think I was in the second grade when I came to accept my feelings about Liz. And the problem was I didn't want anyone else to know that secret. You didn't want anyone to know that you loved Miss Elizabeth? Yeah, I wanted really? to. I'm forever prudish. <laughs> oh, you, it was more about you actually liking like a female like woman or something. Rather well, than it's just that anything that she was associated with wrestling. Anything that expresses an intimate opinion in any form or fashion <laughs> makes me fucking sick. Okay. So it didn't have anything to do with wrestling per se, because we're on a podcast right now admitting to the world. No, 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 no. The, the, the deep dark secret had nothing to do with wrestling. Mm-hmm. I didn't want my brothers and sisters to know that I had a crush. Got it. Here's how I handled it. So you remember those old book safes? They were like little boxes that they were made to look like actual books. Yeah, yeah. Now we had one in the house, and in the second grade, I used it to hide all of my private photos of Elizabeth. <laughs> So I'd walk around holding this book. Here's the thing. It wasn't just that I had like torn out pages of pictures of her from magazines. Yeah. I actually like cut around her and made like little Elizabeth paper dolls. (laughs) And there's like, you know, 15 of them in there, all different shapes and sizes, every color of sequin, just insane. (laughs) So I carried that book safe everywhere and I would only open it to converse with the paper Elizabeths in private. But my brothers and sisters always try to, like, coyly figure out what was inside. No, sir, I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. <laughs> exactly, like, <laughs> books closed. Like, no, there's nothing in there, nothing in your business. <laughs> but at the same time, I was so proud of having a secret that I made sure to advertise that fucking book safe at every turn. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had a vested interest in spiting me, I admit. <laughs> one day, I had misplaced something belonging to one of my sisters, and she got super pissed. 
Okay. So fed up because I couldn't find whatever the hell it was. She blasts me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in that book with all of your naked pictures of Elizabeth <gasps> in front of everybody. Oh, God. In front of everybody. <sighs> oh my God. I just fucking died. Everyone was pointing and laughing. I felt like fucking Pee Wee in the Alamo. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. It can't get worse than that. No. What a way to be found out. <laughs> I mean, on the bright side was, like, now that the secret was out, I could finally just, like, tack up posters of her all over my bedroom. But yeah. still, I paid a price. Oh, man. But, I mean, at least it was Miss Elizabeth. And, you know, she wasn't, like, some raunchy uh, sex pot like I had on my wall when I was a kid. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, it would when they swapped her out for sensational Sari. <laughs> she was lovely. The lovely. That's why they called her the lovely Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> when they say the best, yeah. You're talking macho king. No, they're not. Oh, yes, they are. No, they're yes, not. They are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. Number three. All right, hi again, folks. Mean Gene Okerlund in the Sports Control Center, one week away from WrestleMania 4 at Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. Sorry to say, all of the tickets are gone in Atlantic City, but good news, you will be able to see it on a giant screen at a closed circuit location near you, or of course, on a pay. Review basis. My next wrestling memory is about the WrestleMania 4 program. The magazine? Yeah, the magazine. Okay. Each, each of these pay per views going back forever had a, a program. It was basically a magazine that you would either get at the event or sometimes you'd find it on a newsstand, mm-hmm. you know, as a, sort of a promotional thing to advertise what matches are going to be at the event. Right. And it was great if you found it at a newsstand because it was like a memento from the event, even though you'd never gone there. Exactly. And when it was a big event like WrestleMania, they were more about promoting the event. So you were able to get it at stores. And that's where I found mine. So I had a subscription to WWF magazine. But back then, you know, you didn't get programs in the mail. You didn't get WWF Spotlight and all these random other things. They didn't come with the subscription. So I used to have to go to like stores like Rite Aid or Quick Check. Now that you mention it, you're totally right. Yeah, there was all kinds of offshoot issues. And sometimes you were like WWF superstars. And then, you know, you got me that issue with Macho Man on the cover. It's like those were like double issues with extra stuff in it. And I used to go and uh, I would ride my bike to the local drugstore and go to the newsstand. It sounds like so old fashioned, but like it, that's what we had to do, <laughs> you know? Right. So rode my bike, bought the issue. And I remember being so excited because I, I was standing at the rack, opened it up, and in the middle was the tournament bracket that, you know, was blank. And oh. it was it was ready for you to fill in because WrestleMania 4, the WWF championship, was vacant. And they were going to have a tournament to determine who would be the new champion. Right. Do you remember this? Of course. So Hulk Hogan was the champion, and he lost the belt controversially to Andre the Giant, and then the belt uh, went vacant because they wanted to uh, determine a, a new champ. So anyway... Atlantic City, New Jersey had WrestleMania 4 and 5. And I could not get tickets. My parents wouldn't let me go. It was too expensive, they said. Because we went to house shows all the time. But this was like a really extravagant thing. It did. They hiked up the price. Because there weren't that many seats there. No, there was. So they had to really jack them up. If you're a wrestling fan of today and you see these stadiums filled with 80,000 people, this was a a really tiny uh, arena where they used to have like concerts and stuff like that. It wasn't a big, giant stadium. No. So they they made it very extravagant. You know, Donald Trump hosted the whole thing. That's right. He did. (laughs) Yeah. It was just a big, uh, extravagant thing, a really cool thing to have a tournament at WrestleMania. So it wasn't like a six-man tournament. This was big shit. Everybody was in it, you know, all the big important people. So it was very cool to be able to uh, look forward to filling out this bracket. So was the idea that you'd fill it out as the event transpired or were you supposed to like make guesses? I mean, you probably could do either one, uh, but I didn't want to fill it out unless we, as we, I wanted to fill it out as we went along because. God uh, forbid you had to cross out a word in your pristine (laughs) WrestleMania program. Oh my God, it's ruined. I wound up having to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Because my my handwriting was terrible. (laughs) So you're shaking from the big win. (laughs) 
watching that pay-per-view, it was it was long. It was a little bit drawn out because the entrance ways were like 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, so but it was fulfilling because you got to see everybody uh in action. So it it kind of goes against what I was saying earlier, how I don't like them cramming everyone in, but this event they crammed everybody in. Right. Well, I didn't realize until like more recent years that it is a widely panned and hated event. Yes. And I'm like, what? This was always my favorite event because, well, yeah. you know why. Exactly. Yeah. But so during the event, I sat with my friends. We got the pay-per-view and I'm intently filling out each bracket as the matches occurred. And that was about as interactive as stuff got back then because it was like the same level of coolness as when Ralphie gets his secret Dakota ring and listens to <laughs> Little Orphan Annie, you know, uh, in uh, Christmas Story. Because yes. like – that kind of old-fashioned interaction, now you just be, like, on your phone just watching Twitter. Right. You know? No one's going to be sitting with a pen to magazine on <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just something that you could interact with, and I was a geek for this stuff back then. It's probably because, like, I'm, I'm a sentimental kind of guy, but, like, that event at the end, that the last moments of that event when Macho Man won the championship still get me choked up. Oh, you know? God, it's so great. Yeah. I mean, it's so awesome. You know... As a kid, I had such tunnel vision watching that moment that all I would see is the happiness and joy. But when I go back and watch it on the network now, you can see that that like, Rita is so freaking dead. Yeah. All those comped gamblers. <laughs> what are we doing here? It, but it didn't get better. I mean, I don't think there's a, a better ending to WrestleMania than WrestleMania 4. Like, that is, to me, the, the greatest ending of any WrestleMania Ever. The only thing that comes close is WrestleMania 31 last year. Yeah. I gotta say, I actually didn't see this on pay-per-view live, mm -hmm. but I was listening to some like old radio show that was announcing the results as they happened. I remember that. Oh, man. And yep. when they announced that Macho Man won, I flipped out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and, you know, I, I remember you're right, though, because I got in the car my afterwards and they had the radio on. And I remember one of the local stations, one of the big local stations was talking about it. That's how big wrestling was back then, that you could turn on a random top 40 radio station and they're they're talking, Macho Man won the belt. Like, yeah. really? Like, that hasn't happened in so yeah. long. H Hogan was often in the news and for entirely different reasons back then. <laughs> yeah. And you know who else was in action for the Intercontinental title was the Honky Tonk Man. Yep. Defending against. Who did he fight? Holy shit, he fought Brutus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. I completely forgot. I didn't even realize that coming into this wrestling show that there'd be so many opportunities to bring up Brutus Beefcake. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Booyah! Number four. Out to Kingsburg Amusement Park. Kingsburg Amusement Park. On the beach at Sandy Hook Bay in beautiful New Jersey. The friendly place for family fun with over 150 attractions. For licensed games and rides for the second largest amusement area in the state. With the lowest prices anywhere. And so close to home. So you mentioned uh, the LGN Elizabeth figure earlier. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. My next memory is all about their Captain Lou Albano figure. Love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big distinction between Miss Elizabeth and Captain Lou. Every time you say Captain Lou, all I hear is Captain Lou, Captain Lou Albano. That's exactly what I intended. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so he's that big, fat, awesome guy who is like 10 parts stand-up comedian and two parts raving lunatic. <laughs> and he also, as we mentioned on a previous show, played Mario on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yep, and Cindy Lauper's dad in her videos. Who could forget his stunning turn as Cindy Lauper's dad? Yes. <laughs> So let me set the stage. Me and my parents are at a casino arcade in Keensburg, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which, Keensburg. Which is, you know, there's people listening that don't realize. That's Keensburg never... is like a steak, but a steak that's raw and covered in flies. <laughs> yeah, not the classiest of places in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> no, no. Oof. <laughs> Those rides could talk. 
So it's the last stop after a long day of me going on like roller coasters or whatever and like playing games and eating funnel cake. So under normal circumstances, we'd have only gone into a casino arcade for like 10 minutes. This was like the total last stop. Yeah. I was in there playing whatever I was playing and I was ready to go. And then I saw Captain Lou Albano on their prize wall. Oh, like the LJN figure. The LJN figure, you know, packaged, ready to go. It was the only LJN figure they had and probably the only like semi-recent brand name toy in the entire arcade. Mm -hmm. So I'm sensing an opportunity to turn my happy day trip into like a little Christmas. Yeah. So I'm like, Dad, please keep fucking playing these these joke slot machines. I need enough points to get that big fat blue action figure over there. Yeah. And even though the slots in Keensburg only dispensed prize tokens, he was enough of a gambler to get hooked <laughs> on those. So it should have been a ten minute stop turned into a two hour stop, with me repeatedly taking his like pail of tokens up to the front and inching closer and closer to the Captain Lou's point limit. <laughs> oh. It is so it was like 79,000 points for this figure. Right. I mean, that yeah. figure probably retailed for six or seven bucks, but I guarantee you we paid at least 100. <laughs> and all this for was undoubtedly one of the least... I mean, I love Captain Lou, but as of far course. as a wrestling figure goes, he was probably one of the least useful. Yeah. I mean, unless you had some tag teams that he was managing, yeah, he was kind of, at the time, not very useful. You're right. Right. So... That was my story. And that process would actually rinse and repeat itself. Like, I think I'm the only kid on the planet who managed to get a fucking Super Nintendo with casino arcade points. Sometimes it pays to have parents with an addiction. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that you got Captain Lou at Keensburg. You know, that's funny. Like, for me, I was like, I I was on a program. It's like, like, uh, bring me to Toys R Us this week because I need to get, I need to see what else they have. Right. I was on a mission. I was more of a dabbler with this stuff. Like, I didn't maybe actively seek it out, but if it was in front of me, fuck you if you think I'm I'm not leaving without it. (laughs) You were going to play Papa Ball until I go home with Captain Lou. (laughs) That's funny. I never want anything that cool, I don't think, from like a boardwalk game or in an arc. I never want anything good from one of those arcades though. Oh, we always did because we would like, we would go to Wildwood for three nights yeah. and he would be in there like the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> we bring him food. Like literally we'd go to Curly's fries and like bring him buckets of fries. I mean, the only thing to me that's fun in those, in those arcades, aside from some of the video games are the claw machines, which, you know, you got me into. They frustrate the shit out of me. In the good old days, they were a little bit more on the up and up. Now they're all pretty automated. Like, yeah. you're only going to win if it lets you. Or at least that's the urban legend. I don't know if it's true, but it makes me feel better about all the fucking money I lose every time I go to Jersey. Well, I think, <laughs> I think it cost uh, Miss Sexy Armpit about 40 bucks to get me a CM Punk doll. Oh, I was there that day. And it yeah. did. <laughs> she left like she was uh, as white as a ghost. Yeah, I can't believe I just spent that much money to get this fucking little $2 doll. Number five. On March 20th, the most spectacular show on Broadway will be performed live in your living room. WrestleMania 10, 10 years in the making, exclusively on pay-per-view. The WrestleMania 10 Fan Festival at Madison Square Garden in 1994 was the shit. Do you remember this, Matt? Wait, you went there, huh? At the time, this was billed as the first ever fan festival, which spawned similar WrestleMania weekend events like Access. You right, know, where but they... I don't know if they've ever been quite like that one was. Yeah, this one was very interesting, especially because it was at a time when WWF was sort of lagging. You know, they were kind of at a low point. Yeah, very cartoony. I enjoyed it so much back then, and and none of that bothered me. I was still just as into it as day one. But talk about soul-crushing. So the issue that I had with WrestleMania 10 was that I had to make my confirmation on the same day as WrestleMania 10. Oh, my God. If there's one reason to just drop religion altogether. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, when you're that young, you kind of don't have a choice. You you pick God over Bret Hart. (laughs) So I was not allowed to go to WrestleMania 10. At that point, I had already gone to about like 20 WWF events, so I was really pissed that I couldn't go. But um, as a sort of like a consolation, I I asked someone, I said, hey, um, what about this fan fest? So since they knew it would have been uh, important to me, they brought me to the fan fest. And I was intimidated by it at first because I had no idea what to expect because they never really 
like they've done stuff like that, but not to this scale. This was a huge deal, you know, and they touted it as being this incredible event, almost like a sort of like a San Diego Comic-Con. Well, but it, uh, yeah, that's pretty accurate because I looked at the video and that's it looks like fucking like a wrestling trade show. Yeah, wrestling. It was almost like being, you know, at, the, at a car show. Yeah, or something like that. It was just insane. And there was a high chance that it would be awful because like the one of the big things is like dunk doink the clown. Into <laughs> yes, you're saying that. That's awful. Like that's a, I'd go across the country for that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would have went home happy if it was just that. But I mean, this was classic WWF. They went all out. You know, this was super memorable for fans at the time when, like, you were embarrassed to say you were a wrestling fan. Yeah. Did you um, rap with Men on a Mission? Yeah, I saw that going on on YouTube. Yeah, they, they did rap in in the ring when I was there, but there was all kinds of interactive experiences, and you could take pictures on the set of the funeral parlor. And I have like oh my god, in Taker's coffin. <gasps> oh my god, yeah, and there's like so cool. Yeah, you can get in sumo wrestling suits and pretend like you're Yokozuna, and it was crazy. Uh, my dad and I were just walking around. I was like happy as a pig and shit. And I remember it like yesterday because I bumped into the smoking guns who were these two big guys in like cowboy getups. And yep. some people might remember the smoking guns. Um, I, you know, I walked into veterans like Nikolai Volkov. I saw I met Captain Lou there. Everybody was there. Pretty much. And every wrestler that's at like a horror convention today was there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, they had little stations set up with like video games and uh, then like uh, Owen Hart was in the ring cutting a heel promo when I was there. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and it was just great. Like, yeah, like kids were getting taught how to bounce off the ropes and stuff. It was just, it was like a state fair, but like WWF inspired. You yeah. Know? Uh, it looked like there was no security at all. Like there was just like sort of wrestlers intermingling. Yep. There was no fights or anything. Not that there wasn't any fights. I'm saying there wasn't as many fights because I remember it. I was there. People were not rude or mean or anything yeah. like well, that. Well, also like it was undeniably very young skewing at that particular point in time. It was, yeah. It was definitely for kids mostly. And But anyway, we got to get autographs from Razor Ramon. Oh, uh, who, wow. Yeah, he was my dad's favorite at the time. And then, of course, uh, we met Lex Luger when he was like Lex Express guy, you know? Yep. That was part of the entrance fee. You paid for one ticket and you just meet everybody, do anything you want, and you don't have to pay extra. That's such a bargain. Yeah, So, the, but the biggest moment for me was getting the chance to do this commentary with uh, Howard Finkel. Uh, the ring announcer. Oh, you know, shit. The Fink, uh, he had his headset on. He's sitting by a TV and you walk up and then you sit with him and you commentate a match. And then they give you the VHS tape. It was completely insane for me because I was a kid who was like obsessed with radio and broadcasting. And I always wanted to do that as an adult. So what was the match? I don't remember how many you were able to choose from, but I just remember it being very limited. So I went with Royal Rumble 94 at the end, and it's when Lex Luger and Bret Hart were both in the Royal Rumble. They were about to fall over the, at the same time. Right, oh. right. So you had to commentate that whole ending and the finale of the match. And I just remember, like, I've seen that event up until that point, like, 70 times, you know? <laughs> like, yep. He was, since he was prompting me and, like, prodding me and stuff— and setting me up, it totally threw me off. And I just sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I, Coming I want... down the aisle is a wrestler named blank. <laughs> I just wanted him to be my color commentator. I would have just let yeah. the whole thing, you know. But it's funny because a couple of years ago, I was at my friend's wedding. He got married and his bride surprised him with the Fink to make the introductions at the wedding. Howard Finkel does weddings. Yes. So later in the evening... I'm telling the Fink, uh, like, because he came up to me and he gave me a hug. Like, he was super nice. But I was like, I told him, like, one of my favorite memories. For of, $75, you'd be pretty nice, too. <laughs> I told him one of my favorite memories was doing commentary with him at the fan festival in 1994. And, like, he just had a huge smile on his face. And he was like, no shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> he's a good dude, though. He's a, he's from uh, New Jersey as well. And, you know, he... It was just having fun. He had a yeah. great time. He seems like a good guy. Yeah, and he likes to reminisce about this stuff too. So I'm very jealous. That sounds like an amazing time. They still do things like that, but they'll never be as insane as that one was. Nowadays, they're not as like by chance. They're not like impromptu where you just, oh, I just bumped into Hillbilly Jim. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you might bump into Hillbilly Jim, but Hillbilly Jim will be it. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. Ooh, yeah. Number six. 
Remember this phone number, 1-900-909-WWF-8. If you call right now, you'll get exclusive WrestleMania 8 interviews. Straight from Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Ric Flair, and other superstars. So back in 1992, I discovered this beautiful thing called Coach Kurt's Wrestling Hotline. <laughs> okay. Mm, now, the WWE had its own hotline, of course, but this one was different. This is where you got, like, the real dirty scoops, mm-hmm. the stuff you'd never hear about through official channels. Like, remember, this is before we had the internet. Right. And it's not even like wrestling magazines had this kind of inside news at that point. So I was completely obsessed with this hotline. Yeah, like, if you bought a wrestling magazine, you weren't actually getting any real dirt on anything. Yeah. Because that was all, like, company stuff. That yeah, you were getting bullshit news. And not only yeah. bullshit news, but bullshit news from, like, five months ago. Yeah, yeah. So if I remember correctly, it was a 976 number and relatively cheap to call. Mm-hmm. So for the first little while, my parents didn't complain. It was no big deal to have a few calls each month, turn up with a phone bill, whatever. To say that you would call from a landline and get charged for a phone call oh, to, God. To, I'm, to, I'm, to your parents' phone bill. Yeah. It's not like it is now where you have a cell phone. You can call anybody. You just pay one flat rate every month, you know? Yeah. This is when you could rack up huge phone bills, right? Yeah, and you had to walk five miles in the snow to even find a phone. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right, though. It was, I mean, I, I didn't even realize it as I was telling the story, but this is like everything I'm saying is so antique. <laughs> it is. They were fine with it for a while, but then it happened. Mm-hmm. One month, Coach Kurt rolled out a new gimmick. He gave listeners a special side number to call where you could record your own opinions about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then he'd randomly insert them onto his like regular hotline. Mm-hmm. So while the hotline only updated with news every day or two, now is updating several times a day, each time with the same wrestling scoops, but a different <laughs> random idiot tacked onto the end. And I was desperate to become one of those random idiots. <laughs> so what the only way to find out was to just continually call the hotline. Mm-hmm. So um, I do it. I'm like, I hear myself falsettoing my way through a minute long speech about the state of the wrestling business. And it was like the greatest moment of my life up until that point. And, you know, uh, still is in a way. But to hear my voice on that hotline, I had to call him like 50 times a week. Oh, my God. Yeah. So my parents get their phone bill. And it's like, have you ever seen like a Devolution squash match? (laughs) I was Joey McKee from Detroit, Michigan. (laughs) Like, holy shit, were they pissed. I mean, it wasn't even so much the money because it wasn't that much. Yeah. But just the idea that I'd have the gall to literally call a wrestling hotline under the table like 50 times in a week but 50 times a week like i was afraid to dial one of those numbers once like the freddy hotline i would like i dialed it once and i got in trouble the thing is my parents were so like they had uh, their own shit going on yeah so it's like nine times out of ten i could get away with this nonsense (laughs) but you know it was playing with fire because every game of russian roulette there's a bullet in one of those chambers and eventually it's going to get you. And this is where it got me on the 50 calls to Coach Kurt's wrestling hotline. <laughs> That's the time that you got in trouble. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've probably done worse things. So I guess the just, luck of the draw, I didn't do too badly, but still. Just to get some fleeting wrestling news that didn't really Well, mean not much. even. Just to hear a, a recorded oh, message from me. Oh, to hear your me. voice. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bret Hart should win WrestleMania, not Lex. <laughs> So do you have do you have this on uh, audio? No, uh, I actually didn't even stop calling it because of all this. I just really slowed it down. Yeah, it's like I needed those scoops. So you went from like fifty to like maybe twenty five times a week, right? And I'd rotate through like the house line and my father's private office line, try to bury them under known long distance calls, <laughs> timing it just right. <laughs> you had a whole plan, yeah, just to talk to Coach Kurt. What's Coach Kurt doing nowadays? <sighs> Boy, I you know I never actually knew who Coach Kurt was. I I have no idea. I thought I thought you were talking about like Kurt Angle at some point. No, but trust me, <laughs> a few a few rungs down the ladder. <laughs> oh yeah, number seven. At WrestleMania, I will beat you again. WrestleMania live tonight only on pay per view. My next wrestling memory is covering WrestleMania 29 
for NJ.com on April 7th, 2013. NewJersey.com. Yeah, this is uh, New Jersey's uh, big website. The official website of New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, a site that everybody knows in our state. And not only do they have news, they got sports. It's like your basic everyday. It's almost like a news program, but on their website. Right. You know? There'll be some logo depicting a dead tree somewhere on the main page. <laughs> But anyway, so being uh, you know a wrestling fanatic my whole life, the the fandom that I put in in my life, you know, became full circle. Right. So what do they do? Like, how do you cover it for NewJersey.com? Uh, WrestleMania 29 was at MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. This was uh, the Rock Cena 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the big time getting to cover this. It was like one of the coolest weekends I ever had, right? So they wanted me to cover every aspect of the entire weekend. And I was happy to oblige, obviously. I was tweeting, live blogging. I was recapping everything, posting photos. And was it all on their wallet? Yes. That's that was one, amazing. Yeah, it's one of the best parts. But providing little inside, behind-the-scenes scoops, you know. It, and I was, I had this freedom where I could do little cool things like that. And it was legit, like, like you're saying, because it's a paid gig. So I was at the Hall of Fame ceremony. I was at all the Access events. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, they had special um, – they had these little special like press conferences and stuff, but there was one press conference that they held right before the event, like that day, where um, there was a limited amount of press uh, allowed to go, like international press and you know big time press, right? Mm-hmm. It was like CM Punk was there and John Cena, and they were asking answering questions. So just on principle, any guy who went up, I asked the question just because I'm like oh, I'm like a pig in shit, you know? Right, so, right. And you don't yeah. have any shame when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. So and I'm like my hand did not like they're like you know just raise your hands. Of course, like my hand didn't go down. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't gonna let that slip away from me. But I got caught up really big time in it. And by the time WrestleMania happened, I was really sad to see it end. The best part of the whole thing was that my credentials allowed me into the the skybox where the WWE staff and wrestlers and families Oh, ate. man. Yeah, yeah, Who like, did you see? Everybody. Everyone on the roster that year except probably like, well, I didn't see Cena and Rock because, you know, I was up there during the main event. Right. Uh, everyone on the roster was up there. And, you know, I, I didn't take advantage of it too much because I passed through and I just took it in for a minute and I'm like, holy shit, I'm at the top of MetLife Stadium looking out over 80,000 fans. Yeah. And this is a moment. This was an event highlighted by CM Punk versus The Undertaker stealing the show. Right, right. You know, I'm never going to forget that weekend because looking back to when I was a kid, I've seen every pay-per-view live since WrestleMania 2. It's such an amazing feeling to know that I was there covering it. Yeah, you know, right, right. WWE fanatic. So, and for like people who don't know, like this event was only a couple of years ago. So this is yeah. already well past the point where WrestleMania was a giant thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now they're only doing stadiums, so it makes it that much more epic because, you know, you're going to look back on some of these, even though to me, 29 wasn't, you know, a real um, outstanding event. Right. For for me, it was more of a personal thing to be able to do that. And it was in my home state. Well, plus, it's just cool to like be in front of that many tens of thousands of people and know that you have a better seat than them. (laughs) Actually, I you better than you better than you. You know, it's funny. I have a better seat because I was, you know, hobnobbing with all of them. But I actually had my own seats before I was even slated to do this. Yeah. So, like, I went back and forth and my seats were actually much better because I had real good seats. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's very cool. I'm jealous. WrestleMania 29 coverage. What do you have for us next, Matt? Another really sad story, Jay. A a sad one. It was a bad day in junior high school. Oh, yeah. Number eight. So back in junior high, probably the seventh grade, we had a big all-day class trip to an indoor ice skating rink. So I think every kid, or at least kids like me, went into these big class trips thinking that that would be the day that we finally found our new group of friends mm-hmm. like and got our crew. Like the normal ebb and flow of school politics was totally different on a class trip. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally excited. Like I'm imagining myself sneaking into some really cool group of morons <laughs> and ending the day with my own new click. The click. The click. <laughs> and I think it's important for you to know that backstory because it'll make the reality hit so much harder. 
We get to the rink and we trade our sneakers in for ice skates. And somehow it didn't occur to me until that very moment that I had no fucking idea how to ice skate. <laughs> like, not at all. Oh. I couldn't even tie my shoes, let alone <laughs> tie skates and skate with them. <laughs> so I finally get them on doing my bullshit fake knot where I tuck like half the shoelace into the shoe. <laughs> so no one will notice I don't know how to tie them. <laughs> so I'm not kidding. Like, it wasn't one second. It was fractions of one second before I fell on my ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you count having a bunch of kids, like, point and laugh at you as finding a new click, <laughs> my secret plan was an unbridled failure. What's worse, the Elizabeth moment when you were found out about the Elizabeth pictures or <laughs> or falling on your ass? Well, I gotta say, like, at least the Elizabeth thing was localized to my family. Yeah. You know, this was out there in the world, like, just spreading like wildfire. You might be wondering how wrestling has anything to do with this story. <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> so let me let me tell you. So after about 10 minutes of really trying hard to ice skate, I finally just throw in the towel and I get my sneakers back. But I still had six hours to kill at that rink. Like, just utter torture. Mm. The literal only other source of entertainment at the whole rink was the old WrestleFest arcade game. Oh, WrestleFest. Yeah, that's what it was called, right? Yes. Yeah. I used to love that game. It looked like a Newgrounds cartoon, but it was so much fun. Oh my god, yes. So, me and all the other kids who couldn't skate, like, all of, like, the real dregs of the class, of mm. which I, I was a part of, so I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> we're all fighting over this machine for six fucking hours. Oh, and th so this is the one that had, um, like, Legion of Doom and, and Ultimate Earthquake Warrior and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. a totally great and nutty game. Yeah. But, like, when you have that many kids trying to play one machine, like, I think I got to play twice in those six hours. But was it, like, multiplayer? It was, but there was a pretty big pool of idiot kids who went to an ice skating rink without knowing how to ice skate. <laughs> I wasn't alone in this stupidity. I just might have been the only one who just went on the rink anyway. <laughs> I have to say, I relate, because I have no idea how to ice skate. Oh, my. It's not easy. Like, no. you look at it, and you're like, oh, I could probably at least glide but then you go and like your your ankles break immediately it's like you're then you're, you feel like the guy from misery you're fucking trying to skate on ice everyone's looking at you it's dangerous yes <laughs> taking your life in your hands yeah i don't know why people do that when they could just stand on the ground with the, on their feet yeah so it's it really was a bad day in junior high so oh my god like whenever i see anyone mention wrestlefest and a lot of people still do i like get like all like anxiety it's like i associate that game with this terrible class trip oh so you don't have good feelings of wrestlefest well in some respect it saved the day from being a total disaster yeah but the thing is like it's still connected to me not knowing how to skate going on the ice falling on my ass and having a bunch of fucking kids laugh at me <laughs> so whenever oh, i see man. a cartoon earthquake do his little dance for jumping on someone i tear up <laughs> I'm sorry, I just like to use the podcast to work through my old trauma. <laughs> like Next week's show is about how I burnt my hands on a flaming Almond Joy wrapper. Number nine. For your free catalog, write to the World Wrestling Federation Merchandise Department, P.O. Box 3866, Stamford, Connecticut, 06904. Whoa, the WWF official merchandise catalog, brother, got all kind of stuff in it. You know what I'm talking about? And it's the stuff dreams are made of. My final wrestling memory for the night is about a Macho Man poster. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Matt, you, you've lived this story. Uh, so I know this story inside yeah, and out. You're going to be able to relate to it. So this one is for our Purple Stuff listeners. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a subscription to the WWF magazine for about 20 years of my life. And each issue had a merchandise catalog in the middle. And it was the most glorious WWF merchandise ever. There's, you know, like a duffel bag with the WWF logo. Oh, so great. Yeah. And like yeah. every wrestler modeled their T-shirt. Yep, 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 totally. And like anything they had in this merchandise catalog was worthy of you owning. Like it could have been the dumbest thing. It could have been a, a silver pen, but it had the WWF logo on it. So you wanted it. Yeah, they know? had like microwave safe Hulk plates and things like that. It was like just totally bizarre stuff, but yeah. you needed it. 
Once you pass the T-shirts, then you get to the area where you're close to the order form, and that's where they have all the posters. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I used to lust after these posters, you know? Yeah, they were hardcore, high quality, and not available in stores. Exactly. You couldn't go to your local, like, Spencer's or Sam Goody and go through the poster rack and then find these, usually. Nope. So, But there was one poster in particular that had Macho Man posing on a beach with Elizabeth on her knees looking up at Savage in her bikini. Right. That was a classic supposed to first time yeah and, and like for me as a kid uh in love with both of them yeah so uh i was like i was in heaven when i looked at that so i love i like they were iconic they were larger than life to me and um you know they were bigger than celebrities to a little kid you know, oh like, yeah they were like total heroes yeah, so like, I wanted that poster so bad, and it was hard for me to angle for posters when my room was like completely filled with wrestling and rock posters. Like every inch of my wall was covered with posters. Right. So I had every poster from the WWF magazine already, and all the LJN figure posters that came inside the action figures. I had them all over my wall. And these were all nice posters, but still small beans compared to those posters in the WWF catalog. Exactly. And as bad as I wanted that poster, it would be a stretch to ask for it since, like, I'm already overfilled with the, on the walls. So, <laughs> so I figured one day maybe I'll see it at like a flea market or whatever. But, you know, the day came uh, years later when I saw it on eBay. And and this was still, like, early on. Uh, this is not just years later. This is, like, 20 years later. Well, yeah, I mean, I saw it years later on eBay. Yeah, not, like, three years later, but, like, once eBay came around, because that poster was out in, like, 86. Right. Once eBay came around, that was already the late 90s. And I used to search for stuff like this all the time. And it would, like, very rarely you would see something like that go up on eBay at the time. So, you know, years passed. And once in a while, you'd see one go up and it would be like 60 bucks. And I couldn't even afford it at that time, you know, $60 for a poster. And Well, $60 is a lot for a poster, even by today's standards. Today. Yeah, and that was like the early 2000s, you know. Yeah. So, and, and that's when they, Liz and Macho were still alive. Right. And it was before they passed. So, like, then prices skyrocketed for their collectibles. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. So, to get one in good condition, I'd say within the last 10 years or so, sometimes they go for over $300. Yep. And a couple of years ago... You guys were over, and um, I had told you earlier that I found one on eBay. And yeah, I, and that was the night. And I would, yeah, and I was bidding on it. We and, had a ringside seat for all of this. Yeah, and I had a bid going on it, and uh, <laughs> I told you earlier what I bid on it, and I bid I think three hundred something dollars. Yep, because you're out of your mind. Yeah. So, <laughs> but my idea was, and I explained to you, I'm like, well, I figured if I gave it a big number, it would kind of bid for me. Yeah, and I explained the error in your ways yeah. in detail. What is wrong with you? You never bid that much early. So so I said to you, please don't let me forget to bid on this at the end of the auction. Yep. And I let you know what time and everything. So the ladies are over. I'm, I'm bidding on this on eBay. I go into my bedroom, and you were being a real good friend because in the midst of this whole thing, uh, you know, I had a couple of tequilas. Uh, <laughs> so Miss Sexy Armpit is, is talking to you about what am I bidding on? Because I mentioned, oh, I'm going to go bid on something on eBay. Right. And you know, you're I slowly fading in your chair at this point. <laughs> yeah. So so I was telling you about the poster. You're saying, oh, well, it's a poster. It's, uh, you know, a, a really vintage WWF poster, making it sound like it's really appealing. Something I really, really want. It's a smart investment, Miss Sexy it's, Armpit. Yeah, this like, thing is going to be worth triple in six months <laughs> like it would be my crowning achievement of my life yeah. to own this so what happens is uh i'm i'm inside the bedroom on a computer and i hear her asking you about it <laughs> and <laughs> so you're like, yeah it's this rare poster and <laughs> because, <laughs> because most people think i'm nuts to bid the over 300 dollars i'm already anticipating that she's gonna ask you how much i'm bidding on it so i have this fear yeah. So I go to text you. Don't tell her how much I'm bidding. Mm -hmm. I click send. And the next thing I hear is, uh, I don't think this was meant for me. <laughs> I accidentally, right. I sent the text to her. Uh -huh. I accident. <laughs> so she's like, what, what are you talking about? How much is he, how much is he bidding on this poster? 35, 36 bucks. Miss sexy yeah. armpit. <laughs> so everyone couldn't stop laughing. I felt like such an idiot. 
And needless to say, in this whole commotion, I fucking missed the end of the auction, and it sold uh, for like two dollars. One bid higher than yours. Yeah. yeah, it was the worst thing ever. I was like, I cannot believe this because I'd been building this up to you for so long, like, and I wanted this like years and years before, ever since I was a little kid. You know, it looked like you had gotten hit by a truck when you came out of your bedroom. <laughs> it was like a deer in headlights. Yeah. So I'm like needling you. Who checks an auction with 20 seconds left? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> but you eventually helped me out big time because you started looking for it because you realized how obsessed with it I was and you really wanted to help me out because you felt bad for me. I love a good eBay search. You found a guy who sold WWF posters, old school WWF posters, and he wasn't even advertising that he had this poster. No, I just guessed that if he had all of these other rare posters that he just might have <laughs> Macho and Liz on the beach. Yeah. So you you contacted him, you reached out to him, and you asked him, and he fucking had it. Yep, he did. And, and now you helped me out, you got it for me, and now it's featured prominently in my living room, front and center, where it should be, and it has a classic story attached to it. Yeah, and it's the I'd say it's the best eight hundred and twenty five dollars you've ever spent. <laughs> it's on par with my He Man sword. Yeah, it's the best poster ever. It looks like rare maybe it's because it's like half damaged yeah but it's actually in pretty good condition for a 30 year old poster yeah and it's the best testament to those two now that they're not with us they're you know on the beach in the sky right they you know? it does look like a, they're in heaven in that poster they are elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> will you marry me <laughs> we don't have hey, an answer we don't have an answer we don't hey, Number 10. We have a new champion! No way! Bret Hart hey. somehow has done it! He is the new World Wrestling I mean, Federation Champion! You mentioned WrestleMania 10 earlier, March mm -hmm. 20th, 1994. Yes. And you were upset that you didn't get to go because it was in Madison Square Garden, close to home. Well, I, yeah, but I had to go to a confirmation, stupid. Yeah, well, yeah. I got to go. So lucky, man. I was there in person. <laughs> Damn you. Yep. That was huge for me. Huge. It was. It Up was until huge. that point, I'd only been to a few live events, but they were all like just regular house shows. Mm -hmm. To go from a house show at the fucking Meadowlands to WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. That's a big leap. Plus, it was the 10th WrestleMania, which they were making a really big deal about it. They were all about that X. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm a freshman in high school and by that point i didn't have any other like friends that watched wrestling the only person that could bring me was mom and or dad in this case i went with both and i think every kid goes through that period where being seen in public with their parents is like the worst conceivable thing ever yeah and as a for high school freshman that was certainly the case for me but if it was just you and them you or did you go with friends it was just me and them. And it wasn't like I was embarrassed by them. Mm. I was more embarrassed because I thought I would look like a baby. Uh -huh. Like, I was in high school now. Like, do, do, do high school kids still go out with their parents? Yeah, I mean, it kind of didn't bother me because I, you know, I enjoyed hanging with them because lots of times your parents are cooler than some of your friends. No, it's totally true. My parents absolutely were. In fact, they, I mean, it, they kind of won by default, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, it definitely wasn't them. It was me. I just, I, what can I say? I'm just like oozing shame. Ooh. Yeah. I don't ooze machismo like Razor Ramon. <laughs> I ooze liquid shame. <laughs> oozing squeeze cheese. Yeah. So they're there. I'm there. We're watching the show and it's pretty freaking great. Yeah. Owen defeated Brett in that fantastic opener. Yeah. And then we got to see uh, Sean and Razor have that amazing ladder match live. Dude, the freaking savage crush. How can I skip over Savage and Crush in that five-star classic <laughs> Falls Count Anywhere match? I love that match. <laughs> I do, too, because it was a nice little coda for Macho's WWF career. 
Yeah, and it was also mostly for the pay-per-view fans. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, like, watching it live, you're like, okay, so, like, what is this, like, a fucking break? Like, should I go, yeah. to the, go get some popcorn and a hot dog? Yeah, if you're inside the arena, half of it took place, like, yeah, where the, where the hot dogs were. Right. right. So, WrestleMania is a long show, and about midway through, my parents just really didn't have the energy to feign interest in wrestling anymore. Yeah. So they're kind of, like, slinking back in their seats, kind of just, like, not paying attention. <laughs> You see where I'm going. Yes. Yeah. So let's go to the main event. Okay. Bret Hart versus the unstoppable Yokozuna. Yes. Roddy Piper is the guest referee. The garden is buzzing like crazy. Yep. When Piper came out, that was huge. It was huge. Huge. And in the climactic moment, Bret pinned Yokozuna, won the world title, and the whole fucking place exploded. Yes. I mean, the pop was so loud, like your head actually hurt. Yeah. So I'm jumped down and I'm cheering just like 99.99% of Madison Square Garden. The 0.01% or whatever were my parents who were fucking dead asleep next to me, snoring. <laughs> like, like how? <laughs> like, I get that you're not interested and in that you might fall asleep at a live event, but like the place is literally exploding around you. <laughs> it was like sleeping through the Cloverfield attack. Like, how the fuck do you even do this? So I'm like yes. nudging them like, get the fuck up you're gonna make me look like I, an asshole i can see you when when you first discover it and you keep looking back and you, like just to see if they're actually sleeping yeah it's like well you know what it wasn't even just that they were sleeping like let me paint this picture because you know when two people sleep sitting up next to each other their heads sort of like hit like coconuts yeah. and they look like you know teddy bears this is them like i look down their heads are connected by the temples or whatever <laughs> And they're snoring one after another. Like one, one's, one's puffing up and then the other one's puffing up. It's totally in sequence. It looks like they're trying to put on their own main event. I was so embarrassed. Of course, like it's 20 years later now, so I could totally see falling asleep at WrestleMania. Wait, wait. Did the, did the fireworks wake them up at least? They were completely fucking dead. Like how? Like, Jay. I don't know how it comes across on television. I've never watched the show back, I don't think. But the entire place was just absurdly loud. This place has gone bananas. It did go bananas. Yeah. It was like, I don't understand how it's even conceivably possible that someone could sleep through that. Oh my God, no. Especially that they must kick themselves to this day to say, hey, uh, we missed the main event at WrestleMania 10. I can't tell you how many times they've expressed that exact regret. <laughs> they brought me to house shows before, but those were like hour and 45, two hours 30 at max. Yeah. WrestleMania was like, you got there five hours early. <laughs> yeah. And WrestleMania 10 started at four o'clock. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I was by, by the time we went through, like my mother's like looking at me, like, are you fucking kidding me with this show? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? And then they do like this 10 minute Bob Backlund skit and all this shit. And they have like fake Bill Clinton there. <laughs> they do. And like the worst thing was like Burt Reynolds in with the microphone. Somebody take the microphone away from him, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Burt Reynolds. Yeah, ma. <laughs> Did you at least uh, enjoy the Adam Bomb uh, match with Earthquake? I, I I did. I was a big Adam Bomb fan. <laughs> I, so I loved Adam Bomb. He was awesome. Yep. I was a member of the Bomb Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a story! I loved it. Well, thanks, Jay. Ooh, yeah! You are listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Well, out of all of our wrestling memories that we discussed tonight on the show, mm. which one of mine stands out the most? Okay, well, I'm not going to pick the Macho Poster just because it's unfair. I play such a big part. I'm actually the star of the Macho Poster. You show. are the star. Yeah. Um, hmm. I got to go with you covering the press conference. Really? Yeah, because I could see after like so many years watching wrestling, being there in that position. Yeah. And thinking, I, I did it. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the world champ. <laughs> That's exactly what I was feeling. Why aren't they giving me an honorary WWF championship spinner belt? Seriously. Or <laughs> I would say the one memory that stands out the most from yours is definitely the Elizabeth pictures that you would cut out and keep in your little lockbox. Oh, boy. I think if you had 
been in uh, the front row of a house show and stolen a little lock of her hair and kept that in there as well, that might have been more of a problem. Well, here's the thing. Macho <laughs> and Liz were rumored to live on Staten Island where I, I lived. Know, I know. So, I like, I was always on the lookout for them. Yeah. Like, whenever we drive past the mall, I'd be like, I think I just saw Liz. Turn the fuck yeah. around. Turn the fuck <laughs> around. Like, Liz is going to be at the closeout store the Staten Island. <laughs> and he says. Yeah, and he says. <laughs> Dots. <laughs> this is where all the real action is yeah i felt the same way because i was so in love with her but i was a, i was more like unashamed of of being in love with miss elizabeth i was proud of that shit right well you, you know, know like we established everything upsets me <laughs> i don't know what to do with these positive feelings <laughs> i'm gonna feel bad about them <laughs> This has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 24, sharing our wrestling memories. Do you think they're still here with us? God, I hope so. Yeah. We should I mean, like run a test. Maybe we'll do some sort of contest. Email us with the word microphone in the subject, <laughs> and we'll enter you to win a, I don't know what's on my desk, a, a, a two-day-old can of Red Bull that's half full. <laughs> Okay, so we're looking forward to WrestleMania. Gonna be a good night. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> <laughs> no yes, way. Yes. Lord Alfred Hayes. You got Lord Alfred Hayes to come on the Purple Stuff podcast. <laughs> An especially admirable feat considering that he's been dead for like 15 years. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. Damn it, what's Slim Jim? Turn of the spice!